0: Hi, I'm Therese Van I am in Limpopo in South Africa. I'm here with Matt and Andrew in AgriWatchers. Hope you enjoy.
1: See, that is probably, I, we say this to everyone apart from, who was the last one? Was, there was one yeah. that's been terrible. Yeah, that was Zach. Wow, Zach Zach Whale was terrible. Yeah, but yeah, ev- yeah. E- every other person he, has nearly, done...
2: he he nearly got through all of it, and then he fumbled right at the end.
1: Yeah, but that yeah. was genuinely that was one of the best ones we've had. I think. Yeah, I you. think it was clear. It, it in the
0: mirror multiple times.
1: <laughs> it was clear. It was succinct and to the point, and you didn't forget our names, which is always nice. always a benefit. Uh, so yeah, well, thanks for coming on. And uh, and having a chat with us we're here, I guess we're here to talk about sheep farming in mm-hmm. South Africa. Yep. So, as, as all of our listeners will know, uh, you might not be as aware of it, Clarice, because you're uh, not. Our our, our our prime audience isn't in South Africa at the moment. Um. Yeah. So we do a, a psychological test of all of our guests. Uh, we okay. want we want to make sure that you're you're okay. That you're not gonna break down into questioning. We've got to just make sure you've got a solid enough base to go forward yep. with. Yep. So we're we're gonna start off. We're gonna start off with just asking you we're gonna ask you six we're gonna give you six phrases or words, and you just give us the 100%. first thing that comes to your mind, uh, whether it's a, a short statement or just even you know, a one word answer. And then we'll assess you as a person.
0: Hundred percent. Ready.
1: Ready? <sighs>
2: Matt you want to you take the the lead yeah right uh go. I'll start with rws premiums for
0: rws premiums
2: yeah
0: sure um I'm I'm not quite sure I don't know a lot about it sorry rws is for
2: the registered wool standard stuff so it's the where the wool has been accredited for the welfare standards
0: Oh, okay. I'm I'm you an, might,
2: a you, might call, it, you, you, you might call it
0: something area. different. Um, I'm more of a mutton producer. We don't sell wool on this side, so it doesn't affect me.
2: Oh. There you go. Yeah. That's that's probably why is. is it the same phrase in South Africa? I know in South Africa they have um, you know, kind of all like what we call in Australia RWS wool, but um, yeah, is it the same kind of a phrase or do you call it something else?
0: um let me um i'm not sure it's bkw Is the is the um fo- oh, is the we, we used
1: to do work with company that we use yeah. Yeah. yeah we did work for bkw in the yeah. past years ago yeah um right matt that was that was you, that was a bit too long that one wasn't it uh, and that yeah. was and that was mainly because of you,
0: you yeah that you was
1: ex- you extended the question I was, yeah,
0: I, I was ready for the black pudding one <laughs>
1: It could be coming still yet. It could be coming. Uh, I was going to use that one, but I'm going to have to okay, move okay. on. Uh, to Crocs footwear.
0: Oh, no. Oh, no. Not, not for me. Thank you. There is actually a song in South Africa called Speedo and Crocs. Um, most of our um, more Afrikaans speaking people, we listen to that song. But no, not for me at all.
1: Lekker, bro. You. Mm-hmm.
2: What, about, what about uh, farm labour in South Africa?
0: I would say um, in South Africa, farm labor is, um, there are quite a lot of options with labor. There's a lot of people um, that have that one's job. So it's not hard to find la- good labor here.
2: Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's a good one. Uh, that's an uncommon one, really, if you look around the globe. But yeah, we'll keep going. Right. F- foot and mouth disease.
0: Terrible, absolute terrible disease, economically wise and animal, animal wise.
2: I'll finish off with uh, haggis.
0: Haggis, haggis is awful if I'm not mistaken.
1: Well, it's also tasty. It's good. a
0: South African absolute South African delicacy. Uh, most of the generations love or haggis. Um, I can't get past the smell.
2: So I haven't tasted it. Yeah, it's it's specifically sheep-based kind of awful products. So I thought you might be a fan, but that's all right.
0: (laughs) The closest that I would get to, I guess, or awful is um, the shanks.
2: (laughs) Oh, really? So you don't you don't you don't eat the the lamb's liver, the the, or we call it um, lamb's fry in Australia. Yeah, Yeah. not sure if it's the same fry. No. Or was, I would eat or chicken livers
0: friends. with some curry and pop chicken livers. That's fantastic, mm. but not cheap, though.
1: Oh, well, you're missing out, missing out. The last one. I'll try. The last one. I was going to use black pudding, but now I'm going to have to mix it up. Favorite film.
0: Favorite film. yo. Iron Man, Marvel fan by all. Yeah, Iron Man.
1: Do you know what my, my nice favorite film is? Oh, songs yeah. of the Lambs.
0: <laughs> really? Oh. Uh, nah, uh,
1: no, it's not. But we just no, it's go- not. Uh, oh, oh, I thought you
0: were going to put a one liner there now.
1: <laughs> oh, Clarice.
0: Hello, Clarice. Yes. A,
2: a, a lamb's liver with a nice bottle it's of turkey. scanty.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: a idiots. Right. So, do you want to give us a? So, you you started obviously. You you outlined when I asked about the RWS wool that you're not, you don't do any wool production. Have you got have you got a shedding variety of sheep, or the, is it kind of crossbred type coarse wool that you just don't don't see the you know don't see the value in? So you're mainly focused on the meat side of the business.
0: So basically, we use um, only the do- door per breed, um, and I breed them to shed. Um, especially in this area, which is more, uh, which is a hotter area and also a very um, wet area as well. So it's better for to use Dorpers than a Merino or a wool type of sheep. And then also, um, I as, with the parasite sites here in Limpopo area. It's harder to work with wool sheep than it is with the mutton. The Dorper breed are more adapted to this environment than the merino. Yeah, so there you're not is having issues. As that, sorry.
2: You're not having issues then with your breeding, so you're trying to eliminate issues with things like fly strike and insect type issues. Mm-hmm. Um so it's a clean, clean bodied sheep.
0: Yes. Yes, basically. Yes.
1: Where where does the Dorper come from originally?
0: the book comes from um uh, the breed itself has a very interesting story so in the first world war um they started crossing indigenous sheep with the british mutton breed rams um okay. and due to the country um uh, due to the circumstances of the country um they have a surplus of mutton in the, and the heavy decrease in lamb prices of- market moved more towards the export of mutton so hmm. the breed um is crossed from a dorset ram and a blackhead persian um and that's yeah that's basically how the Dorper started and Dorp, over the Dorp, past years,
1: was south african yeah so it was back till it was developed in south africa
0: yes 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 it was um it was crossed by the department of agriculture in south africa hmm yeah,
2: And and, and now you, you kind of go down that pathway of a, a pretty much completely shedding variety.
0: Yes, yes. I prefer that um, because the wool is um, not much worth. We usually don't share them at all because it will just cost us money not getting something for it. So we um, prefer the shedding um, gene.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's and that's something we've. I mean, we've we've had. You've mentioned about the labour issues in South Africa not being as problematic, but in Australia, in in the sheep sector, particularly, it is um, in a lot of areas. So there's been a bit of a move in the last probably five years, I'd say. Andrew, wouldn't it be that? Um, oh, at that, least, yeah, yeah. That there's been a, an uptake in those shedding varieties, you know, um, kind of Wilshire type pole ones and Dorpers as well in the mix of, uh, you know, um, focusing in purely on the meat and not worrying at all about the wool, and particularly with crossbred wool pricing and and that kind of course of wool pricing, how it's been in the doldrums as well, that's kind of further encouraging the move towards shedding types. Um, so it's interesting to see, um, you know, that you're coming from that perspective. So do you want to tell us a bit a bit more about your farm in terms of the, the numbers you're running and the operation you're doing there, you know, what kind of an operation it is? Um, you know, in terms of uh, you know, the size and, and, and what you do there?
0: Yeah, um, I'll start with this, a little bit of a history of myself. So I studied, um, I, I was born in Pretoria. I was a city girl. And then I started studying at the University of Pretoria. I'm an animal scientist. And then in my final year, I worked here at where I currently work now is Dwerenbult-Furkrop and they employed me um so at durenville we have the largest section is the beef feedlot Um, and with that section i manage the starter camps Uh, most of our cattle are imported from namibia our calves that we bring into the feedlot and then some are gets get sent to the starter camps where i monitor them treat them Feed them, make sure they grow exceptional uh, before they enter the feedlot, and then a smaller section of this company is then the sheep section. What, uh, which is also my, um, which is also where I spend most of my time on. So there we have. We started off in 2020 with 90 ewes, and then we grew in four years to 400 ewes. So we are also an intensive production system. Um, we use synchronization. Um, we have a eight month lambing um period, or uh, between lamb and breeding period. And with these four, with these four hundred use, we um, we group them in a hundred use per group. So we have then four groups, and in this four groups, they have their separate phases. So that we have a continuous lambing production throughout the year.
2: Oh, okay, so the, so the, yeah, so the the, 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 like four, effectively four groups of 100 are all at a different phase.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. yes. With the synchronization, it helps us that we can also breed them um, outside of season um, yeah. and we still get re- good, good results. And you that.
2: mentioned, you mentioned that the, the phrase starter camp for some of those. So I think it was in relation to the cattle there. So that would be the equivalent of like young cattle that are pre feedlot age are out on pasture, presumably, and and, and just finished weaning and all that kind of stuff, so it's that preliminary stage before you put them into a feedlot. Are you doing the same thing with the, with the sheep? Are you having them in a kind of pasture-based environment and then they go into a feedlot for finishing? Is that how it works?
0: Um, basically, with the sheep, um, the lambs that are born are weaned on 60 days. Then they are all placed into the feedlot, um, before they are weaned, they are all on pastures, uh, cuckoo pastures that we plant here. It is we have eight um, eight um, uh, camps of one and a half hectare <coughs> each that we uh, rotate the sheep Like rotate, yep. yeah, um, yeah. So we have the rotation. Um, so when we we also provide them with creep, creep feed um, to help them adjust when we take them to feedlot on sixty days.
1: Mm-hmm. Then so, in the
0: feedlot we, we feed then the grower ration immediately. And then after 30 days we feed the finisher ration and then they take for slaughter.
2: So that ration's being prepared off site at like a mill or something and then coming in with the designated kind of supplements in it already, or it, are you mixing the ration on site?
0: The used rations we mix here on on the feedlot, but the um feedlot rations we get pellets that we yep. Get from nutrient feeds
1: Okay. So, is, is that situation, it's like a lamb and, and mutton feed law? is that unusual in South Africa?
0: It is a, it's a growing um, industry here in South Africa um, with the, um, with the pastures that is starting to grow lesser and lesser and lesser and to um, decrease the, the, um, uh, uh sorry, my English just went now. I'm actually Afrikaans, so my English just went now. Um <laughs> well, we can we just speak
2: in Afrikaans. and <laughs> we can speak in Afrikaans, it'd be easier, won't it, Andrew?
0: Laka. <laughs> yeah. Um so basically it's a it's definitely an increased industry. Uh, more and more farmers see the value of feedlot animals or feedlot lambs. Um they have better carcasses. And also there's a lot of studies being done on um, um, give, providing Zilmax to the lamb. So that we have a bigger carcass with less fat, especially in the Dorper side of breed, um, because they, um, I, I produce a 25 kilogram carcass weight, Dorper, And most people will like feel, oh no, that's going to be too fat. It's going to be like a A4, A5 type of lamb. But because we use the Zilmax Um, we decrease that fat percentage to an A2 or A3. So we still get the bigger carcass, but a very good quality.
2: More more meat, more meat. And potentially, does that then also include, or are you looking at the genetics for bringing in some intramuscular fat into that muscle tissue as well? Is that part of the program, or or are you trying to just deliver a a meatier carcass?
0: Um, No, I don't... um no we don't, we don't we are not looking into that type of um intramuscular we we are more just standard carcasses yeah but but um, not but with not, the with,
2: breeding, not with the, not with a not with big fat coverage you don't want to have a product an no. end product that's too fatty mm, what's, yeah, what's,
0: yeah, what's, that's what's what's the what's general
1: Max. and this is for the domestic market yes and what's it out of curiosity what is this sort of the main usage for it what is the main dish
0: um like is it a lot of soup, soups no no we um we love to with mm-hmm. the lamb chops um also uh, the loin chops are fantastic the shoulder chops is also fantastic um in christmas time and also in easter time most um people would um have the um lamb of leg a leg of lamb. Right, like a roast. Um, that's also yes. Um that's a uh, high demand in Easter and in um Christmas time. Um but most of the time it's usually bry hmm. to yeah but the they-
2: shops. You mentioned a lot of it, Clarice, is, is domestic market focus for domestic consumption. So would there be also an export capacity there as well? Is, there, is that part of the sector or is that is it mainly just consumed domestically?
0: Um, there is an export aspect of it. We do export some lamb meat. Um, I'm not part of that part of the um, chain. So I um, produce the lambs and I take it for slaughter at um, our closest abattoir, Venko. And then they distribute it further on so i'm more the farmer than the seller
1: yeah, yeah. In, t- in terms of you you mentioned like we foot and mouth disease it was a big concern for australian farmers for the last pretty much the last year and mm. uh, south africa's we haven't actually had a case of foot and mouth disease but it's been nearby and mm. but south africa has had a couple of cases or a couple of outbreaks in recent years. It's quite, obviously, it's quite common. Well, it
2: was actually one not that that long ago, wasn't it? It was one, was it earlier in the year or late last year? I thought there was one.
0: 2020 and 2021, there was um, an outbreak, yeah.
1: But it's quite endemic throughout parts of Africa, like Kenya, I'm pretty sure is endemic with food and mouth disease and probably other countries. How how do you guys deal with it?
0: So um, we have a vet here. He is, it's Dr. Sean Morris. He is usually the guy that um, helps with everything. And if there's a case, he comes out and, and and tries to conceal that section. So we have a lot of vets uh, working on on um, that section. And also the government, um, because this is a government um, disease, the government also helps to try to um, lessen the impact of it or um, to try not to um, let any animals from, let's say, the border countries like Botswana, Zimbabwe, that that those cattle come through to our side, um, so that they da- don't um, spread that disease. So, so there's, there's a lot
2: of they're not- kind of protocols around transport that you have to ensure that any yeah. any animals from certain areas are clear of disease yes. or clear of any symptoms before they're allowed to go anywhere. Basically, on farm, do you have? Yeah. Some kind of biosecurity processes on farm when new animals are coming in, that they are quarantined yeah. and that kind of stuff as well?
0: Yes, we do have. Um, so basically, um, Namibia is um, foot and mouth clean. So the cattle that comes in from Namibia, they are put directly into the feedlot because they are um, not as concerning for us. But if we buy locally, we usually um place them in a starter camp quite far away from the feedlot to isolate them for 30 days to see if there's any symptoms um and if not then we send them up to the feedlot we also the biosecurity here on our farm there's foot baths and also at every security gate there's a security guide that uh, sprays the disinfectant all around the cars as well and in every truck every car everything that comes into the feedlot is sprayed and disinfected Hmm. a lot of work yeah it's time consuming but it's so necessary because um, anything can happen quite quickly if you are not on top of things
2: it's um it's it's a labor intensive process too but that also i guess because you're in a situation like you outlined earlier that that labor isn't isn't really tending to be an issue for for you guys you've got you've got the staff there that can do all of those types of of, of roles can we go yes. back can we
1: go back a couple of steps in terms of your background clarice you okay. you said you came from pretoria from the city mm. why 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 did you move into agriculture
0: um am assuming, so I'm assuming
1: I... you obviously don't come from a farm i'm guessing
0: No, no, I don't. I don't. So basically, what happened is we lived in a small holding, a hexa and a half holding, and uh, we had horses. Um, I loved horse riding and I loved animals, and I started working with vets. Um, I wanted to become a vet, but um, I didn't get in because the standards are quite high. Um, But I feel like it was a blessing in disguise because when I Started with animal science. I, f- I fell in love with the industry, with agriculture, and also nutrition, especially. I'm, qu- I'm currently busy with my master's in nutrition as well, mm-hmm. especially on the Dorpa's side. Um, so I just fell in love with the industry. And I started working on farms during my off time um, with studies. And yeah, I never stopped since. Oh, well. For me personally, it is an absolute um talent to keep an animal Healthy, rather than to cure an animal of a disease, uh, to make sure the animal stays healthy and has a healthy gut and a healthy life. Um, I think that is more talent.
2: You 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 um, you mentioned before about the this kind of growing move towards that intensive feedlotting sector, particularly in in lamb and sheep production. Uh, it sounded as though part of it was obviously to get better control over the that supply chain or or the the growth of the animals but you you kind of alluded to the fact too that there's kind of changing climatic factors potentially i know a little while back might have been was it last year or the year before parts of south africa were facing i think they called it days day zero over here where you areas where running out of water effectively oh, is yeah, cause that because we did that podcast
1: yeah. with jay from
2: yeah, that's it about about a global uh, that, situation. That yeah. Might not be might not been pronounced correctly, but yeah.
1: Uh, idea um, But that was about he'd done a documentary for Amazon mm. on South Africa running out of water.
2: Yeah, which was quite yeah, interesting. and and I'm just wondering is is the move to the feedlotting side as well. Also, kind of, is there some pressure in terms of that access to to pasture because of um, things like drought or, or, or less rainfall? Is it, have you noticed that over the last few years within South Africa? Is that is that a similar type issue? Because we, we certainly see some of that in Australia. You know, from time to time, uh, when, when the rainfall kind of when the rainfall becomes less less frequent, you know, it, it encourages the move into um, into kind of temporary feedlotting in Australia. But it sounds like you guys are doing it in a much more a consistent basis.
0: Yeah, it's still it's still a, a growing industry, but yeah, there was a time span where the rainfall was uh, close to zero. Um, it was very uh, it has um, uh, the highest impact was in Cape Town or in the eastern Western Cape area, where they were at zero to none rainfall, and they also had um, times where people only had a certain amount of water to use per day. Um, it is um it is then assumed that more people go into a feedlot because it's more temporary base. um but the thing is because of the drought um there's not always um ways to get feed in 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 your hands or in in your in your farm so you had to make extra expenses to um get that feed in inside so that's mm. where the feedlot actually is quite better because it's more um um, consistent, and then also um, it helps. It helps because with the pastures, it's a lot of pressure, and because of the rain, um, that wasn't quite there. Especially also in the Free State area, it's quite dry there. Um, they move towards the feedlot. North, yeah,
2: yeah. And you're getting, I guess, you're getting a shorter, <clears throat> a shorter turnaround from from birthing to to eventual slaughter for those animals. That if you know if they get getting access to constant nutrition, you're able to to actively manage that uh, a little bit easier in, in an intensive system. It's a bit like Andrew and I used to run a pig farm and obviously they're a different animal, but, but it's the same concept that you've been able to have much more control over what goes in and, and, and then determine how quickly you get to your finished product.
0: Yeah, we are quite blessed. Um, on this side, we have um, we ha- still have rain. It's not that dry on this side, but in winter time, we um, do get it more dry. For obvious reasons um, but for us with the kukuiu that we planted and then we also have a river flowing um, across our um, farm so it, that also helps for irrigation and water mm. usage um, and then also we get our um, our feed that we mix from close by also from Botswana and Zim and Zam um, Z- uh, we also get our chop um, there, so we are quite in a in a very nice spot to have a feedlot to actually mix everything because mm. we are we have a lot of um, people around us that can provide us with those materials. So
1: interesting to say, people, because that's probably a good segue. In in the sixth sense, you mentioned that labour wasn't an issue, which mm. everyone else we talk, you're the first person who mm. said in 160 odd episodes that labor is not an issue so why is labor not an issue in South Africa
0: um I just need to get the work um so basically there's a lot of people that is unemployed and um our unemployment's a percentage is quite high so there's a lot of people here that really 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 wants the wants a job the um so getting labor is not the issue, but training them mm. and guiding them and um, to get them to the stand that you want them to be, that is sometimes an issue. It is absolutely possible and doable if you have the time and mm. the patience and the energy to teach someone to do that. Um, Especially on my sheep, sheep section, I only have four uh, laborers working for me. Um, they are absolutely fantastic. I've been teaching them since I got here in 2020 because they didn't know sheep head between the sheep head or the sheep bum so (laughs) i had to teach them everything feeding roof trimming and i must say i'm more in a supervised supervised position now than i was in 2020 so with south africa to get good quality labor um you have to be patient And and um yeah, but I think in all industries, um, everyone should be patient with the new newcomer.
1: I, I, was that, just, I was just looking at the stats just now. That probably does explain it. Like, according to this, South Africa unemployment rates are about thirty-four percent unemployed. Gosh, yeah. whereas look, Australia is four point six, and this is it's, I know, it's that, less than, it than it's less than. Well, I'm on chat GPT to get the answers. <laughs> Only up to 2021, <laughs> um, but. Significantly lower, and that's probably the similar levels we're seeing in the UK, Europe, USA, Canada have all got pretty low unemployment rates.
2: Is there, um, is there so you mentioned it the access to labor is there, but it, it, it primarily comes in as, as unskilled labor or people that don't really know what they're doing on a, on a farming and a sheep farming sense. But are there also is that training then that's done is it all done internally on farm or are there abilities to? Have you know kind of people going to some form of uh, you know tertiary schooling or something to or, or or an agricultural college to to pick up those skills or is it pretty much you've got to do it uh, in house?
0: It is more in house um, than sending them to colleges or to schools to teach them. Um, the thing is is that most of the labourers only have up until. Uh, grade 10 grade 12 and then afterwards they um just go into the world so um there is an option with our laborers we do send them for training um to training camps also to to um to teach them better and to better them um so there is options like that but only a small amount of people actually go to universities or colleges Mm -hmm. and which is quite sad um because our um, to go and study it's quite expensive and not all people of South Africa can it, it, are able to um, to pay for for a tertiary degree or diploma or what so then they start working but I am pro-education I must say.
2: Uh, presumably then given a- given the numbers of unemployed and the and the, the fact that they're coming in initially unskilled are or- I presume then costs of labor from a South African perspective are, are reasonably low uh, compared to say countries like Australia where where we're struggling and and, and obviously the you know the, the rates to get people in uh even if they are coming in skilled you, you're paying significant kind of costs for
0: hmm. yeah it is it is less expensive in South Africa than in other countries yes um, because what? they are unskilled
2: yeah. yeah, what What would you so what, what, would
1: an, what would be an hourly wage roughly for a farm laborer?
0: And um, like a, a daily for a daily, it would be 220 rand per day, or let's say two, rand. yeah, two, two. I think
2: two. Kind So I think Aussie rands about a dollar at uh, seven, seven dollars, eight, I think, eight, one, eight, one? 18 Aussie dollars, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So a day th- yeah a day oh, yeah 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 so in- well, there'll there be there'll be some farmers here going, <laughs> going greener <those laughs> well to bring in perspective what you should
0: is- come and collect us this side <laughs> well they av-
1: the average uh was 18 dollars $18 a day for farm labor mm-hmm. the average wage would probably be closer to 30 dollars per hour yeah in a- yeah in australia yeah in australia yeah. But for the same, yeah. for the same, probably skill level.
2: Uh maybe slightly less. If you're talking award wage here, to be, the, I'm thinking of the big no, farm workers. No one, no one pays award. <laughs> well, yeah, you'd like to though, if you
1: could. Yeah, there's no chance. You yeah, can. no. So, you so, so, just like the award rate is like the minimum wage that people can pay for certain industries. Yeah, and I think in pigs it's twenty three dollars an hour.
2: Something like that, twenty four dollars an hour. Yeah, so even still, but,
1: that's But you can't that, get you can't get physically get staff that will work for twenty four dollars an hour. So nah,
2: you have no chance. Pay yeah. them incentive. Yeah.
1: Give them a car or whatever. So so, yeah.
2: so I mean, obviously, we're not going to go. We're not going to talk too much about farm labor because all the farmers listening in Australia will turn off the podcast in disgust. No, they, cheap, they, uh, they'll, they'll be uh, they'll, they'll be sort of
1: looking to. Uh, get a boat and send a boat over and just <laughs> fill it up with
2: laborers. And then yeah, unfortunately something. when they come across, they have to be paid according to Australian legislation, Andrew. So o-
1: only if you, yeah. uh, only if you do it legally.
2: Oh.
1: <laughs> uh, so, no, anyway. so what, what, what,
2: how would you how, so you've, you've mentioned of course that, that in some instances that like everywhere I guess around the world that climate is one of the challenges which farmers have to deal with anyway but what so farm labor is not what would you say are the biggest kind of challenges facing sheep farming in South Africa from your perspective would there be a few things that come to mind straight away that you you think are, are kind of ongoing pressures
0: um, so, climate-wise, in the Limpopo area, because I mentioned the parasites here, we have um, worms like wireworm or um, noseworm, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's a challenging thing to farm with. Um, there's also a lot of tick-borne diseases here. Um, with the um, grazing that we switch with uh, between camps, and also we switch with the cattle, and the cattle, all the cattle get dipped. So. For us, um, tick-borne diseases are less, but we, it does occur. And then um in other parts of the country, we have um, we struggle with theft, especially in the sheep, sheep section. Um, we actually t- tease the farmers and say it's like a takeaway. They just come and they pick it up and then they go. Um, so that's that's a problem in South Africa, I must say. And then also uh predation. Um predators like jackal um are um a nuisance here um i love the jackal i'm don't have a problem with it it doesn't um i'll leave you if you leave me um type vibes um so yeah um in my section um we don't get jackal that eat my uh that eat the lambs um or the ewes they all live in a barn in at night and only go out during the day so there is ways to um inhibit those um
1: but no, no, things, yeah. no lions.
0: No, they are <laughs> no. All the lions um, are kept captive in um, certain regions, um, so they they don't roam around free. Yeah.
2: So the largest, the largest kind of problematic predator is the jackal. There's not nothing else that is, is problematic other than those, like wild dogs are in or anything that, or.
0: Um, no the wild dogs are mo- mostly in um in the Kruger Nas- National Park they're kept safe there um because it, it, it is an endangered species they are kept safe there um we do have some farmers do have also a problem with the i think um in the afrikaans we say roikat. Uh, so it's more like a it's a a big it's one of the cats or leopards cheetahs not more not cheetahs but more leopards or Cats, um, feline predators um, are also a problem.
2: Okay. I'd like a smaller, a sm- not, not as big as a lion, but a smaller um, feline predator. Yeah. And in Afrikaans, sheep is pronounced schcap. Is that
0: right? Scarp. scarp. Yeah. Scarp. 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 Yeah. Cattle, BS.
1: BS.
2: <laughs> BS. <laughs>
1: hmm. They also
2: produce BS. There's a bit of BS on this uh, podcast, not on this one particularly, Andrew. But certainly <clears> the <throat> podcasts that we, uh, that you and I do, yeah, you know, just the two of us. There's a little bit of BS on that one. Yeah, a lot of BS. <laughs> I'm not talking about cattle. <clears throat> no, <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: so, what else is the? Uh, the What's the future of, of sheep in in that area? Because like Africa, like I know was today or yesterday, Africa became. The whole the whole continent, obviously, of Africa, uh, has now got the population of India and China combined. I believe. So. Um. That must be a pretty that must be a pretty big opportunity for protein production. Just the fact that Africa's population is increasing so much.
0: Yeah, yeah. So just to give some um, some statistics, because I heard you guys love statistics. Um. So the meat consumption per capita increased um, from 2000 to 2019 with 34%. Um, interesting enough, the mutton um, consumption decreased with 5.1%. Um, I believe the reason being is that mutton is a, is a delicacy. Not many people will be able to pay for mutton um, mutton meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is quite sad because it's absolutely delicious. Um, and just to, and- just
2: to cl- just to clarify on that one, so mutton in South Africa is still the older animal, right? Or is mutton? It was mutton interchangeable with lamb in terms of the terminology.
0: Um, I um I just combine mutton lamb. All it's like a combination. Yeah, we we speak about lamb um, and mutton, but in this regard, I prefer to. I just uh, prefer to. Um, combined mut- mutton, yeah.
2: But is that yeah. that is but, that? Is, but mut- mutton is referring then to the meat of the older animal, right? So, yeah. so the, yeah. yeah is. Um, whereas in Australia, see the the consumption in Australia of mutton is virtually non-existent now. At all our all of our mutton mm-hmm. gets exported. We still eat lamb, of course, but but it's yes. significantly reduced in a per ha- per capita basis. In, so in South Africa, is 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 um. Well, sheep meat generally, so whether it's lamb or mutton, is that still Mm. considered to be generally a popular dish uh, or or, would beef and and other chicken and things like that be more popular um, than than sheep meat?
0: It is. um, With sheep meat, it's more like a delicacy here in South Africa. It's quite expensive to buy sheep meat here. It is less expensive to buy pork or um, chicken. Um, and then beef, and then um, sheep. So there's definitely a position there to actually, um, as I can say, like flood the market maybe to lower the, that prices. But the thing is, then you have a chain reaction downwards. So for the consumer, it would be absolutely fantastic if they can decrease the price. But for us as farmers, hmm. um, we would generally love to have the higher price.
1: Yeah. yeah. What, what you need to do is reduce the unemployment rate so that people are earning mm. more, and mm. they've got a larger sort of uh, spending disposable power. income. Disposable and, uh, income, because that's that's what we see in yeah. places like Indonesia. As GDP per capita increases, the mm. the meat consumption tends to rise. That's right, Matt, mm. isn't it?
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, Absolutely. that's, that's shaped yeah.
1: the whole world, really. Until mm. it until it hits a point where it starts to actually decrease, like in the West.
2: Mm. 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 You you interest, you may,
0: for- Sorry, for yeah. interest' sake,s there is eight thousand commercial farmers here in South Africa currently, and five uh five thousand eight hundred communal farmers. Um, communal farmers meaning they are shared by the community. Um, more yeah.
2: Is that within so is are. that is that within all farming or livestock farming or just just specifically sheep farming?
0: Specifically sheep farming.
2: Okay, right. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, and would they be like the size you mentioned in terms of the the number of livestock? Would they with those communal farms? Are they potentially smaller, running smaller number of head, or would they be bigger? Like, is there, is there any particular type of atypical communal farm versus the commercial farm?
0: The communal farmer would be much much smaller. It would be like yeah. a small group of of um, ewes or rams, and they are um, not. Um, breeding material if I can say that but more the commercial farmers um, there's a few, some farmers that have more than 5,000 youths or there are big big farmers here in South Africa um, and then you get the big ones from 5,000 and then you get meat from 400 four so but then you're, yeah, you're a-
2: where, where you are is, is- Potentially more like it's a more cattle-focused business, and the and the mm-hmm. sheep side of the business is the is the you know other side, but it's a smaller subset. Whereas some of those yep. bigger five thousand head of sheep uh, commercial farms would, would would they be specialist sheep farms then, and not necessarily doing cattle?
0: Yes, yes, um, that is more in the arid areas um, like the Free State or the Eastern Cape. They um they they focus on mutton um, merinos. Um yep. and then uh, your w- more wool type merinos. Um, they some of the farmers do have dorpers there, um, but they are more wool um, focused. And then here in Limpopo, um, because of of the um climate here, um, there's not a lot of sheep farmers Yeah, So there's definitely a um a space there to improve in this in the land production here. Um, I spoke to the abattoir the other day, and they say that. They still um import their sheep from off their land from carcasses from Pretoria, Cavalier, and other abattoir just to um get to the demand that they have here in the Popo area.
2: Is um it, it, speaking of well, obviously there's a fair amount of that focus would be all for domestic slaughter, but is there a reasonable amount of Turn off of sheep that go into the live export space out of South Africa? Oh, I know there are some no, that go. No, no, that a no, no, that's, next,
1: that's what I was going to ask. <laughs>
0: um, because of the foot and mouth, um, our exports are um, not as they were. Um, I, in, in my knowledge, um, I don't believe there are live um, exports um, from here to other countries because of the foot and mouth. But I do know that there is exports of um, beef meat and also then the lamb meat, but they have to be deboned um, okay. before. Yeah. Through.
1: yeah, which is similar to pork in Australia. With yeah, with um, you, you can't e- import boneed beef into
2: Australia. Yeah, if it's got a bone in pork in Australia, it's an Australian, Australian um, raised animal. If it's got a bone, it's one of our. It's own. It's one of our own. That's um, Margot Andre's f- famous phrase. There you go. All right. No, that's that's um, that's interesting to see. But but I mean, presumably, with that live export space, you're saying it's the it's the disease kind of restrictions that are that have caused the decline in the industry to a degree in terms of volumes of of live X going out
0: yeah unfortunately unfortunately the disease had that effect
2: so how did how did then what did that make an impact for the for the farmers of, of say you know those those animals that were previously re- reliant on live export as part of their uh off strategy you know in their business did how, did they just have to you know was there was there an impact on those Do you know did they have too much uh, you know being turned off domestically or did it was able to be absorbed fairly readily into the local market as 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 kind of, um, you know, processed product.
0: Yeah, they most definitely had, and um, that definitely influenced their um, exports. Um, so less and less exports are being done because it's quite expensive to debone meat. So there is still people that do it and that's great for them, but most of the meat are then, um, are then um, sorted out through in the domestic usage more.
2: Hmm. yeah Right. Well, well i think matt we'll probably have to cut it up then yeah no We. otherwise cause... we're going a bit too long but it's been an interesting chat
0: so, oh thank you
1: so thanks very much for coming on and i wanted to just confirm
2: that it... Tutsins. is that correct
0: tut-sins. Tut-sins. Yeah. Tutsins.
2: yeah what's that one are you yes. practicing your afrikaans andrew yeah i practicing afrikaans I'm,
0: yeah the i'm a, best, I'm a the... cultured person yeah, the best. Um, I think the one the one sentence that you guys will definitely remember is um to say thank you in Afrikaans. It sounds like buy a donkey. So buy a donkey. Thank you so much for donkey. having me here.
2: <laughs> is that really how you say it? Buy a donkey. And that's thank you, sir. thank you. Is oh, it really. like because like yeah. 'cause that would be like Dutch for donk or German yeah, danke. danke. Yeah. Buy yeah. a donkey. Okay. Buy donkey. Yeah. Okay, that's good to know. I'm a... gonna. <laughs> I'll okay. use that one. Unfortunately, I, like you could say that as a finishing phrase, but I already got a phrase that I use, Andrew. That maybe is probably less appropriate than buy a donkey. Yeah. It's um. It's um. Thanks for coming on to the uh, podcast, Clarissa, and see you when you got nothing on. And uh, oh, Thank you
0: so much for having me. Yeah. thank you. Totiens.
1: Tot have a donkey. Buy donkey. Thank you. <laughs> Here we go.